welcome everyone to episode 69 of the Stardom Cast. I'm your host, Matt Turner. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope this podcast is finding you in a good place. And I'm hoping you're going to enjoy this journey we're going to take for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. Whatever it takes, you know, we're here. We're here for the here for the long haul. I hope everybody had a really, really good week. I'm trying to think what I did last time, uh, since last time I talked to you. Oh, I actually saw the um, new Top Gun movie. Maverick. I was kind of raised on the first one that came out like 30 years ago. So I thought it was pretty cool that they did a sequel like 30 years later. And I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I've been hearing nothing but rave reviews on it. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. Just as good, if not better, than the first one. And then, uh, oh, it's, well, it was all, you can always tell it's a good week when pretty much on the same day, Megadeth and Ozzy Osbourne released two new songs. And as long as these two legends have been going, these those two songs are absolutely fantastic. So if you're a metalhead like me, go check out the new Ozzy and Megadeth songs and uh, tell me what you think. And if you've seen the new Top Gun movie, you know, let me know what you think. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Okay, um, really? No, usually I have to start off the show. Other than a little bit of chit-chat, I like doing a little chit-chat, letting everybody know here what I'm up to, letting the fans, friends, and family at the Stardom cast what I'm up to, but... Other than that little uh, the movie thing, really not too much going on. Just keeping busy with uh, work and whatnot and, you know, my 14 other side projects. But usually after the chit-chat, I usually like to get into some news. And really, there's really not too too much news. And we're just kind of coming off the pay-per-view. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was built on after the after the pay-per-view, which we're going to get into pretty much the heart of the podcast. Really, the only, only news that I'm not going to, that, that was basically announced in the last day or two that I'm pretty much going to cover on all the shows is they announced the... Next tag team challenges for Hazuki and Koguma, FWC. The next challenges will be Mariah and Amy Sorry. I believe they said July 2nd. So we're going to get a nice tag title match leading up to the uh, the big pay-per-view coming up on the 9th. But let's get into the shows. I'm going to review the show on the 19th. The show on the... I'm going through my notes here. The 25th and the pay-per-view on the 27th. So we're going to run right through these. I'm going to go through my star ratings, you know, go over a couple things little tidbits here and then uh and then we'll, we'll get out of here so uh let's start off with um like i said 6 19 june 19th 2022 we'll start off another five-star qualifier amy sorry versus momo kogo uh this was another really really good match it was another david versus goliath style match i thought momo kogo looked really really good here this whole tour she looked really good they're doing a good job building her up for that high-speed title match she has coming up on the next pay-per-view against azumi but Amy Sorry, who is undefeated in this tournament, just running right through everybody. Um, she uh, hits a whole bunch of clotheslines pretty much back-to-back, and then the Brain Buster. I like that. I like that how she, in the beginning she used her power, and then Momo caught her with a couple flash pins. was trying to wear her down a little bit, but then once she got the advantage, she hits her with two bombs of clotheslines, and then that uh, Tornado Brain Buster at 6 minutes and 10 seconds. I enjoyed this. I had this one at 3.5 stars. This was a really good way to start off the show. Match number 2 saw uh, Himika get the... Pinfall victory over Waka. It's another the, the Waka story. I see it all the time, and I see it all over social media. It's one of the most interesting things in Stardom. You know, with the stacked roster and some really good storylines, and then you kind of have some really weird ones. I, you know, I guess if you want to talk about some news, some really weird stories is the uh, Grim Reaper choking out Sayakamatani and Rossi Ogawa might win an Academy Award for Worst Actor. Great booker. Terrible actor. Anywho, getting back to this match. Yeah, Himika picks up the win fall, the pinfall over um, over Waka here with the Boston Crab. The two of the... Uh, they have... Because it's like a, another David versus Goliath style match. And I mentioned this in the multiple person tag matches they've been having over the past few months with Cosmic Angels versus DDM, which does happen to happen a lot. They kind of rinse and repeat that, which is okay because the matches are quality and they get over. That's the main thing is the matches get over with the crowd. The way that Himika feeds for Waka, for, for forearms, and she sells for it. She sells for it at the right time, at the right place, and as the match is building, she does a good job of even selling even more. So she gives Waka a, you know, a lot in these matches. And this one, she gave her a lot. So, you know, it was it was a good it was another good solid match, another good outing between these two. These two have pretty good chemistry together. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Went just a tad under seven minutes at three and a quarter stars. And it's pretty cool seeing uh, Himika, who's one of the bigger and stronger um, wrestlers in stardom, get the victory with the Boston Crab. That doesn't really happen, you know, a, a whole lot. The next match, we saw Micah versus Lady C right from the get go. I'm really liking this super aggressive Lady C. You know, we've been seeing some. Post match interviews where they're saying, "Hey, Lady C, you joined Queen's Quest as a 
turned out the way that you want it. She flat out said no. I don't know if that means she's going to turn to go maybe join DDM or maybe a way to tie. But or if we're just going to get a super more aggressive Queen's Quest Lady C because, you know, that's, I think, what Queen's Quest would need at this point uh, with that stacked, you know, roster, Utami, Azumi, and Saya, Kamatani, all pretty much been dominating, you know, the stardom wrestling world for the past year or so. So then you have Lady C in there. And she's way more aggressive. I mean, as soon as the bell rings, she goes right after Micah. I thought that was really good. And the two of them go outside. They have a wild brawl. A really good way to kind of, you know, inject some uh, life into the crowd. Not that they were dead or anything, but you're like, holy jeepers. You know, you have you have uh, Micah, who's been at the flirting, flirting with the top part of the card for a good portion of the last five or six months. And rightfully so, she's fantastic. We have Lady C right off the get-go, just jumping her and dumping her on the outside. And we get a brawl, you know, to, to pretty much start this thing. They get back into the ring and Micah hits Lady C back with some stiff kicks. You know, she's getting a receipt for some of the stuff she was throwing back out there in the beginning. Lady C counters with a big boot. I mean, she gets Micah right back. I mean, these two were not holding anything back. And then she gets her in the corner and does the machine gun style, the Kenta Kabashi style chops. Uh, Lady C then goes for that Cobra Clutch submission. I like how she works it. I like how she puts it on it and then almost does like a backbreaker. Then she holds it. And it's a really good visual in the middle of the ring, especially for how tall Lady C is. So you have that visual of a larger opponent, a larger, lankier opponent putting on this this tall submission. So it's like you have like the leverage and size advantage really, really uh, looks like it's, it could be a finish. And a majority of these matches, and Micah does a really good job of selling this thing like it would almost be the finish. Uh, Michael winds up countering into the rear naked choke. And then she does, excuse me, she does two big clotheslines and then she hits the superplex for the win. You don't see her getting the win with the superplex, but I thought that was pretty good about how she, she broke out of the Cobra Clutch submission. She starts working the rear naked choke. She hits two big, uh, big clotheslines. The back lady see up at the corner, hits it with the big super clicks, the big super, not, not super clicks, superplex, excuse me, for the uh, one, two, three. I just said three and a half stars. I thought this was really, really good. And they gave it a good amount of time. I think it was about eight minutes and 20 seconds. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Match number four saw the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, uh, Yunagi, Mina Shirakawa taking on the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani, Miyu Amasaki, and Yutami Haishista. Uh, I thought this was really good. Another really solid outing. The Queen's Quest team, uh, or excuse me, the Cosmic Angels team, well, and the Queen's Quest team, they do a really good job with the double teams and the triple teams. But it's really kind of what... Cosmic Angels in these multi-person tag matches are really known for is getting the advantage by doing double teams, triple teams, or quadruple teams. So I thought that was really good. I thought Miyu's stuff looked really good here. Sai and Utami, again, I've been saying on the, this podcast the last couple weeks, I think they have something in play for the two of them because the way they've been gelling even better as a team, and they're former tag champs, they're former goddess of stardom tag champs, the way they've been gelling it's like even better. And I think it might be somewhere down the road where they might put them in for a tag title shot. I, you know, would not be surprised and I wouldn't be bothered by it. Obviously, Sai Kamatani is a little bit uh, busy defending the World of Stardom Championship, but we've seen it before. We've seen it quite a few times, actually, where there'll be a you know main event style singles holder going after one of the tag belts or actually even winning it. If you remember, the Freedom held all the belts in Stardom a handful of years ago. Uh, time limit draw. Three and three, four stars. I thought this was really good. Uh, the Tam and Utami stuff, you know, they've been kind of teasing that off and on ever since the Cinderella tournament. It looked like it was a little bit back on here. So that's a match that hopefully that we'll be able to see somewhere in the future. Match number five saw the God's Eye team of Shiri and Mirai defeat the, the uh, Don Demental team of Julia and May Sakurai. This was really good. Uh, another really solid performance here from Shiri and Mirai. Well, really all four ladies. But Shiri's just, she's just the machine. She's like, when she's in that ring, she just commands her whole attention. I mean, she's just such a star. Right now, as we're six months through this year, she's my overall wrestler of the year. Not just in stardom, but in any company. And I watch a lot of wrestling, folks. A lot of wrestling. I mean, she just comes off as a star. Even just the way she's getting ready to lock up or do the finger lace. So the way that she'll throw a kick in or tease a kick or do a double leg takedown. I mean, it really looks like she has her opponent in danger just about every moment of the match, you know, it's like almost like don't blink like a big heavyweight fighter. Or, you know, you get a really good grappler for the UFC or mixed martial arts. It's like don't blink because this could be over at any time. May Sakurai holds her own here. She really holds her own. Her stuff I thought with Mariah was really good. I thought obviously the Julia Sherry stuff, 
that's excellent. Uh, I think pretty much everybody has pegged somewhere down the line towards the end of the year, either coming off the five star or either at the end of the year for uh, for their big uh, end of the year show. We're going to see Sherry or Julie, Shirley, Sherry uh, versus Julia again. They had that fantastic match at World Climax just a few months ago. Or they can do Sherry versus Julia at that big joint New Japan Stardom show coming up in November at the 15,000-seat arena. So, again, they gave a little bit of tease there. And I thought the Mariah Julia stuff was excellent as well. And that's something that I would definitely like to see somewhere down the line. Again, again, maybe at the five-star. It's a lot of potential really good matches, you know, going into that. I had this one at uh, three and a half stars. Uh, Mariah winds up hitting a couple left-handed lariats and then uh, basically knocking Julia out of the match, allowing uh, Sherry to get the rear naked choke on Maysack, right? Big fan of the rear naked choke being used as a finish. I've been saying I think you Tommy should use it as a, as a finisher. We've been sh- seeing Sherry use it quite a bit more often here. Maybe be something that if Utami does start using as a finisher and they build back to that feud of the year with those two match of the year candidates with Sherry versus Utami with where they can almost like you get another side story. Like not only is it rekindling the feud, not only is it for the World of Stardom Championship, which I'm assuming when they have that match down the road, it will be. But it's also going to be a battle who has the better rear naked choke. So, hey, Stardom, maybe take a listen because that would add just another wrinkle into what will be. I'm sure a fantastic rematch. Match number six saw the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Saeeda, and Koguma versus the Oedo Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Saki Kashima, and Ruaka. I'm kind of bagging on Ruaka a little bit on the podcast here, and I really don't mean to. I really mean to be positive, but it, it seems like when she's in these multi-person matches, she just gets a little bit better. I thought she, I thought everything she did here was really good. I was really, really impressed with everything she did. Mayu Iwatani, again, when she's in these multi-person matches, if you're paying a ticket to see her, you're going to get, like, she's going to play the hits. You're going to get all the good stuff that she does. There's no wasted moment in anything she does, whether she's in the ring, on the apron, whether she makes an entrance. But she also is really smart by giving the other members of the team quality ring time, that they need a little bit more ring time. Like Saeeda, you know, she's just coming off that big injury. So, you know, she's still working off a little bit of ring rust. Uh, Hazuki and Koguma are the tag champs, so it's it's very apparent that she gives them time to get their tag stuff over. I mean, it's really, really smart, but it's not like she dogs it. She still gets all of her really, really good stuff in there. Uh, the Hazuki and Momo Watanabe stuff, I've said on this podcast before, I think Hazuki's best match ever was that uh, World of, excuse me, Wonder Stardom title uh, challenge against Momo a few years ago. I thought that was her best match, and it looks like she's rekindling a little bit of that stuff there. That stuff was hard-hitting, uh, wrestling at its finest. Uh, Hazuki plays no crap with Starlight Kid. You know, she kind of gets the better Momo. Starlight Kid cu- comes in there to try to cut her off, plays no BS with Starlight Kid as well. I mean, she really gives it to Starlight Kid pretty well. There's really good triple and quadruple teams from – quadruple uh, tag team moves from both teams. I thought that was, I thought that was a really cool – Part especially when a way to tie when they needed to take to take the the heat back they needed to take control back they know they couldn't do it one on one or two on two or even like three on two or three on three so they had to make it like a four on one or a four on two you know just kind of an old school heel tactic uh, I thought that was good that got actually the crowd where it needed to um, the Hazuki Mayu stereo dives I love it when they do that because they're the way they they pump up the crowd and they do it perfect. Because if one of them is a little bit too high one of them, or one of them is a little bit too low, if they're off kilter a little, they're going to wind up bouncing, you know, touching either the top rope or the second rope, and it may send the other one crashing. And it rarely, rarely happens. Actually, come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen it happening. So the two of them hit it. The timing's perfect. The spacing's perfect. It's just a really cool visual that really, really pops the crowd. I thought that was great. Uh, really great exchange between uh, Saki and Saya. Ida at the end, I thought that was really good. And Saki catches Sai with the Kishigasai in about 15 minutes, three and three fourth stars. The match had a lot of time. Moving on, we will go to, as you can probably hear, maybe me flipping through my notebooks. We will go through the show on the 25th of June in the Kyoto Arena with the beautiful stained glass background. Match number one saw Miyu Amasaki defeat Wakasukiyama in a five star qualifier. This match went over just about eight minutes. I had a three and a half stars. I thought that was really good. Some really good chain wrestling in the beginning. Some really good counter wrestling towards the end. And I'm a big fan of that leg lace uh, backland, uh, or that leg lace Bob Backlund style bridge that Miyu uses as a, as a finish because she uses that leg lace to, to basically like wear down her opponent like in the middle of the match. 
So it kind of looks like she's going for it again, but she actually turns it into a pin. A really big fan of that one. I did three and a half stars. I thought this was a solid way to start the show. Match number three had Lady C versus Ruaka. Again, this was another great outing from Ruaka. Like I said, she's she's pretty good when it comes to these multi-person matches when she has a Momo, a Saki, a star-like kid to kind of put everything where it needs to go. In the singles matches, I think she's been hit or miss. A little bit more miss for me. I thought she was a hit here. I thought this was really good. I thought it was, again, you saw Lady C super aggressive here towards Ruaka, and Ruaka really giving her stuff back. I thought Ruaka, her placing, her timing uh, for all of her big moves for Lady C, I thought was really, really good. And it's a really cool visual because, again, Lady C is so tall. So Ruaka hitting the uh, fisherman, fisherman suplex and then the freezer bomb for the win, I thought it was a really cool back-to-back -back visual. I thought three and a quarter stars. I, I thought this was they kept it simple. Everything made sense. They had the crowd where they needed to. Really good outing here. Match number three saw Hazuki and Saida versus the team of Natsupoi and Himika. Kind of some weird pairings here. Obviously, they're these these uh two teams are these four ladies are on the t two same stables, same stables, but just kind of just kind of a weird pairing. Well, maybe not too much for the DDM team since Natsupoi and Himika were part of the uh, Artists of Stardom legend uh you know record breaking title reign so. But just kind of just for me, it was kind of a weird combo. But what what wasn't weird was the match. I thought the match was really good. Really good way to start with the Himika and Saida just really just wailing on each other. The Hazuki Natsupoi stuff is really, really good. Hazuki, every now and again, she'll go back to flashes of her high-speed uh, championship reign that she had a few years ago. So she used some of it there and then went back to her striking and submission and Natsupoi using her speed and her very underrated striking as well to kind of isolate uh, Hazuki there. I thought their stuff was really good. And they really gelled gel, gel well together. And Natsupoi and Saida were really good. We, you know, we've seen this in the past before, where obviously um, Saida does like to chop people. Natsupoi does a really good job feeding in for those chops. And you know, she's, at the end of it, it just looks like poor Saida got hit with a wiffle ball bat about a dozen times. <laughs> Saida does not hold back on those chops. God bless her. I thought those were the best parts of the match. Um, the Pharaoh gift on Saida gets it done in about 8 minutes and 24 seconds. Three and a half stars. We move on to what I thought was another fantastic match. You had the Queen's Quest trio of Azumi, Yutami Aishista, and the wonder of Stardom champion Saida Kamatani versus the Donald Demendel team of Julia, Mei Sakurai, and Micah. This is really good. Uh, this was I thought this was really excellent. excellent. I liked how Mei Sakurai kind of because they're doing a good job really building her up. And you can see how well she's been improving these past seven or eight weeks. But how like she's like demanding on, oh, no, I'm going to start the match. Like, here's the Queen's Quest, as I call them, this generation's uh, four horsemen. Because it's, especially these three. These three are, are so good. They have so much charisma. They're so good in the ring. They all work well together. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't need to convince you how good the trio of Azumi, Utami, and Saya Kamatani are. But I thought that was good how, like, Saya, uh, that May Sakurai, she held her own a little bit. And then she got hit with a couple double teams and triple teams, which just shows the chemistry of the Queen's Quest team. Uh, eventually, they, eventually uh, the hot tags will go to Utami and Julia. And we see a match that we kind of really didn't see much before. Or really, we've never really seen a big singles match between Utami and Julia. Had a lot of people scratching their heads thinking, oh, this is a match that we want to see. You know, Utami had that really long, championship run last year and about halfway through that year julia had you know pretty much the same run with the wonder of starting championship before she dropped it to uh the tam at the budokan hall so you never saw julia getting a title shot here and a lot of people including me thought julia was going to win the five star and it was going to be julia versus utami the main event of dream queendom obviously she got injured went to shiri again again i'm just speculating maybe it was supposed to be shiri all along that i don't know but you know, this is a match that we might be looking at that, you know, somewhere down the road, again, maybe for the five-star, maybe your title change here or there. We don't know. Is Utami going to get the belt back? Is it going to be Sherry, uh, excuse me, Julia, that was the one that upended Sherry, and then maybe somewhere, you know, down the road, we see a title match between the two of them. But title or no title, it's definitely a match that not only that I want to see, but I'm sure a lot of people want to see. Anywho, uh, getting back into the match, uh, like I said, that, that seemed to be the, the, the seeds that were planted was we're going to see that match somewhere down the line. And then you just have the waterfalls. You know, and what I mean by that is you have one after one. You have, you know, Mike hitting her big moves. May Sakurai hitting her big moves. Saya Kamatani hitting her big moves. Yutami hitting her big moves. And, you know, Azumi hitting, hitting her big moves. And Azumi's kicks. 
Like those buzzsaw kicks, you know, we talked about how right around last year at this time, like all of a sudden, Mayu Yutani, who was obviously, you know, pretty good striker. She decided she wanted to become like the best striker in the company. And I think like that's where Zumi's like, yeah, hey, you know, maybe it's my turn. I mean, she's really turning up those kicks, like where she places them, how hard she's hitting. I mean, you could hear the smack. Uh, I, th- I think it's uh, just another wrinkle into her game that she's just upping, that's just making her one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Um, the Zumi Micah stuff going towards the time limit draw, I thought was great. You know, here's Micah, one of the stronger wrestlers in the company, and Azumi's just like taking her head off with those kicks. And then, of course, she'll show you to Larry too. That'll happen. Uh, time limit draw, I had no problem with it because of how great the match was. Four stars. I thought that match, this match was absolutely solid. Match number five saw the Cosmic Angels team of Tim Makano, Yunagi, and Mina Shirakawa versus the Ueda Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima. Basically, the Artists of Stardom champions in a non-title match. Again, really good uh, tag stuff here from both teams. You know, the double teams, the triple teams. Uh, like I said, you know, kind of like a broken record. But that's almost like what the Cosmic Angels are really known for. We're really where they're kind of better in my opinion, any other, other other of the other factions in stardom is when they're doing the triple, um, the, the six person, the eight person tags is they can do the triple teams and the quadruple team is pretty much better than anybody else. The way it sets it up, like where it happens in the ring, the psychology of it, the timing of it. And then, you know, of course they'll get their fancy poses in well, because you have to pose for the camera brother. Um, the Mina, Mina Momo stuff was really good. I talk all the time about how much I've enjoyed Mina's improvement over the last two months, especially with her striking. You're in the ring with Momo Watanabe, in my opinion, the second best striker in stardom. Selfish Ace Shiri's number one. Not by much. Like It's like like 1A, 1B. You're going to have to be throwing some bombs if she throws some really good forearms. You know, she does a really good job with that insiguri, the ro- rolling elbow as well. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge fan of. But Momo obviously brings it with those forearms, the double knees, you know, the meteor, and of course those stiff kicks. It sounds like like a gunshot went off. I mean, she just really lays in the Mina. But their stuff was really, really good. Really enjoyed their sequences. To me, it was the my favorite part of the match. Um, Saki Kashima's closing stretch. It's, it just seems like they're building the matches around her, about like her just taking all this punishment and then teasing the Kishikasai and then eventually hitting it. Uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, I thought it was really good. Like her closing stretch with Unagi was was really fantastic. How she was just able to just kind of counter at the last second, catch Unagi in the uh, Kishikasai, three and three fourth stars. It just seems like that seems to be the formulaic thing with the with this Oedo Tai team. You know, you have two really big main event level stars and Momo and Starlight Kid. I mean, they're going after the two big belts at the next uh, pay-per-view, and they're doing a really good job building up the third person of the team, you know, Saki, especially with that finish. It's almost like it's the most le- lethal finish in all of stardom. Match number six in the main event for this show saw the God's Eye trio of Amy Sori, Mirai, and the World of Stardom Champion Shuri defeat the Stars team, Mayu Iwatani, Koguma, and Momo Kogo. You look at this on paper, and if you're watching stardom long enough, you kind of have an idea what's going to happen. You're like, all right, Momo Kogo's going to eat the pinfall. And she did. You know, she did eat the fall here. But to me, I thought she was the star. No pun intended. Not only of the stars team, but this whole match. I mean, you look at you, everybody you have in this ring. Mayu Yutani, legend. You know, they can literally put the belt on her tomorrow. Nobody's complained. Koguma, having a phenomenal year. A finalist in the Cinderella tournament. Two-time uh, of Goddess of Stardom champion just in this year alone. You have Sherry, the World of Stardom champion, my wrestler of the year. Amy Sori, who's just destroying people and looking fantastic doing it. And Mirai, who won the Cinderella tournament. So you're, if you're going to peg who's going to be an MVP, you figure it'd be any of those five. But to me, I thought it was Momo Kogo. I thought she did a really good job. She basically like starts the match very similar to my Sakurai did in a couple matches prior. Where she's like, no, I'll start. Like, she starts with Amy, she starts with Mirai, and then poor Sherry beats the crap out of her. But she really holds her own. She really holds her own, and I thought that was really good. Um, I thought that the way that Momokogo was in basically almost doing different versions of like the 619, you know, the Tiger Faint kick. She did 619 to Amy Sori's arm. I thought that was really good. Then she did like a 619, like Tornado DDT, where she went through the ropes on the Mirai. I thought that was really good. And then basically breaks down to a, uh, a brawl, not a brawl, but like a kind of spots, almost like another mini match, like a two, three minute match with Mayu and Shuri. You know, it makes sense. You have the two big stars there. You have basically kind of giving you a little bit of that world climax match that we had a couple months ago. To me, that was my match of the year for stardom, uh, was that Mayu-Shuri uh, match. So you're getting a little bit there. Obviously, no one's going to complain about that. 
really good near falls with uh, Momokogo reversing Mirai's Lariat. You know, she goes to throw the left-handed Lariat. She catches her by the wrist, slides under, gets the backslide right in the middle of the ring. Perfect timing, perfect ring positioning. Uh, that was fantastic. And that takes two to tangle. That's just not on Momokogo, but Mirai as well for feeding in to the right part and the right part of the ring. I thought that was a really, really good false finish in. The ref did a great job of counting, like 2.9, and Mirai did a really good job hanging on to the last second. So the crowd would bite, and they really did. Eventually, she winds up getting hit with the left-handed lariat and the Mirror Mirai shock for the win. Three and three-fourth stars, 15 minutes and 11 seconds. So we will now move on to the main event of this show, which was the start of Fight to the Top pay-per-view on 6-27, obviously uh, 2022. They had a fantastic of att attendance of 1,213 paid fans. Obviously, another great number. We see stardom you're popping the four digits here quite a bit, quite a bit, almost you know once or twice a month, whether it's a pay-per-view or not. So this is a really, really good number. Uh, it, it just shows just the growth in the company. I mean, you can tell as soon as they, as soon as that, that thing went live on air, you saw that that crowd was packed. So, and I think there's a lot of really good people that uh, that get the numbers out really fast because i'm always intrigued by the numbers you know rob would always talk about a money shoe exchange and i didn't get never really got a chance to thank him yet since it was like you know again i'm doing this solo so i'm kind of you know honing in on getting everything done trying to get the reps in but i gotta give him credit because i he's a really good follow on twitter and i always look to him when it comes towards the attendance figures and it's something that i think i'm going to write down more and discuss more because you know, at the end of the day, it is a business, and it's all about putting, you know, an ass every 18 inches, as Jim Ross would say. So, uh, getting on to the pay-per-view, this aired in the Northeast at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. I got up at 10 to 3, so I was watching this thing live. And then after it was over, I went and helped my buddy's restaurant out for about nine hours, came home, took a shower, and then watched the AEW pay-per-view. So, I had a long, exhausting yeah, fun day. So, and this is a really good way to start my day because this was another solid pay-per-view. Considering the fact there's only one title match, and I think that there's a lot of people that were, even though you have the two cage match, I think a lot of people kind of almost overlooking this pay-per-view to get to the next one. You know, with Sherry and Momo, Starlight Kid, and Asaya Kamatani, you know, for the World of Stardom and Wonder of Stardom Championships. But I thought this was another solid show. I mean, this was e an easy A-plus for me. Uh, we'll get right into it. Ruwaka, Yunagi, and Waka, the opener three-way. This one kind of, you know, it was fine. They they didn't overstay their welcome. They didn't do too, too much. They did just kind of enough to warm up the crowd. I think maybe maybe this could have went on second. I always think that you should have a really hot match to start on first. Again, you know, nothing nothing was wrong. The psychology was there. You always get the three stars from me. And I had this one at three stars. I was really shocked Ruaka wind up getting the, uh, the the pinfall win here with the uh, Fishman Basun Freezer Bomb. And then they kind of teased a little dissension with Waka and Yunagi. Yunaga was leaving the ring, and you could kind of tell she looked a little pissed off, a little PO'd. And they did a really good shot where she turned back, and she looked at that poor Waka selling her arm, her shoulder, her neck. And it was like, you know, he's like, oh, I got to go back and get her. Like where the camera angle for that was absolutely perfect. And I don't think that's – Starting gets enough credit for like how really good their camera work is and their angles and their timing of that. You know, just add just a little bit to the stories. Now we're a few, two months ago, we're all wondering when Waka's gonna get our first pinfall and we know it's coming. When's it gonna happen? Now it's like, is there gonna be a heel turn first? Or are they gonna kick her out of Cosmic Angels? Is she gonna go elsewhere? Really intriguing story, and they did a good job playing the seeds here. Again, I think they just kind of just want to have the match just to kind of have the match in there and get Ruwaka a, a pinfall win. I think the main crux of this match was the story of the possible, you know, Waka leaving or getting thrown out of Cosmic Angels. Moving on to match number two, Momokogo and Saya of Stars versus Lady C and uh, Miyu Amasaki uh, representing Queen's Quest. I thought this was a really nice, solid match. Nice. You, I knew we were going to get this, but just the new aggressive style of Lady C. So the Lady C, Saeeda stuff was really, really good. They were really laying their stuff in. I thought that, uh, <laughs> you know, the chops and the kicks, the going back and forth, I thought was really good. But uh, Miyu and Momokogo, I mean, that's the future stardom. The future's really bright. I mean, they're chain wrestling, their timing coming off the ropes, where they were in the rings for certain things and certain quick and near falls. And you saw Momokogo 
doing a little bit of the high speed to, to kind of start a little. Which where, you know, obviously she has the high speed match with the Zumi coming up on the 9th of July. So it's kind of a little, little bit of a teaser, whether it's like, you know, can she hang with the Zumi? And they're doing a really good job in all these matches leading up. They're showing that, yeah, she can hang with the Zumi. And she's showing off the, the high speed action. And I thought that, you know, hey, we're on a pay-per-view here. We need to, in front of a thousand people, you know, I mean, who knows how many at home are watching, but in front of, a, you know, over 1,200 people paid in attendance, you know, let's showcase off this high-speed stuff. And I thought this was really good. And to me, it was excellent. And me, I mean, she's wrestling like she's a four- or five-year vet, and she's only in there like five, six months. It's 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 fantastic. Um, Lady C, she, she gets in a really good amount of offense. I thought she got the majority of the offense here. In the tag match, I thought that was really good. She had the Cobra Clutch submission, worked really well on Saya Ida. Saya did a really good job fighting and getting out of it. Hits the big left hand to Lariat. Uh, she puts the belly down arm bar for the win, three and a half stars. Not only was the belly down arm bar, but if you remember somebody that was doing something very similar to late, the late 90s, early 2000s, that was called the Nagata Lock number three by Yuji Nagata. Remember his eyes would like roll into the back of his head? That would be cool if that's if Saida kind of start doing that because if you remember, Yuji Nagata is the mystery sensei of stars. So nice to see that on a big pay per view here again. I would have given the win to Momokogo to build her up a little for uh, Zumi coming up here in a couple weeks, but I'm not going to complain about Saida using a Yuji Nagata finisher. So I thought that was a that was a nice little nice little touch there. Three and a half stars. Match number three, a match that. I was really, really looking forward to Mina Shirakawa versus Himika. Uh, right from the jump, Himika doesn't even get an entrance. Like, Mina comes in. She does her fancy Cosmic Angels entrance, you know, uh, and then Himika basically blindsides her, comes up from behind, and she tries to get the jump on Mina. Very Oedo ties thing from Himika. I didn't realize that this uh, this feud was, was going there, but okay. Uh, Mina quickly turns it around, gets two almost quick near falls, and then starts working on Himika's leg. And I thought that we'd have a little bit more striking in this match, considering, excuse me, considering how uh, how much Mina has improved on the striking, and the fact that Himika throws those wicked, wicked lariats, the shoulder tackles, and the forearms as well. We didn't get that. But we got a lot of psychology, so we're seeing a little bit different side from Mina here. Really working on the leg, working in the figure four. The way she was applying it was really good. You know, sometimes you'll get people that really haven't had our wrestlers that really haven't used the figure for that much. And sometimes they'll get a little confused on what's supposed to go where, how they're supposed to lock it in. She had no problems with it. You know, I think she put it on twice and had it in the middle of the ring and it was always coming off like a big move, like a drop kick to the knee, you know, working on Himika's knee. I thought that was really good. Uh, Himika did a really good job selling the knee, being where she needed to be for Mina, getting in the offense she needed to get in when she needed to get in. I thought that was that was really good. Again, the psycho. This was a very psychology laced match. It wasn't as much striking as I'd like, but I was really impressed just how really good Mina was here. Uh, she winds up hitting the Insiguri for a near fall, and then she uh, basically Himika counters Mina with the uh, the Mina special uh, the Mina Glorious co uh, Collection Mina. You know her own pinfall. You know it's the old uh, seat seat belted pin. So I thought that was something that the fact that Himika used Mina's Glorious Collection on her. For the win, definitely didn't see it coming. Thoroughly enjoyed this match. Not at all what I was what I was expecting, but I had no problems with it. I had a three and three fourth stars. Moving on to now, this pay per view was I thought pretty solid going into this, but now it just goes into a completely different level. So we get the Artist of Stardom Championship match. It is between the uh, the challenging team number one, God's Eye team of Sherry, Amy Sori, and Mirai. Challengers number two, the Don Demendel team of Micah, May Sakurai, and Julia, and the defending champions, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima. Now, this is one of the many places in this podcast that I miss Rob because he would always, when we do the previews, he would always tell me the rules going into the match. Now, I when I did the preview episode for this, I think it was the next day I found out that it was elimination style because I even said it would be cool if Momo Wantanabe pinned Mariah to give her a little bit of steam going into her championship match with Sherry. And then I found out it was elimination. 
I didn't find out until the show started or this match started that it was over the top elimination as well. So I was like really in for a surprise and maybe I just needed to do a little bit more research. But again, that's where Rob was always good. Or he would always text me like a day or two before. I'm like, hey, hey, mate, just to give you a heads up, this is how this match is going. So this way you're not confused. So eventually I would have picked up on it and figured it out. But uh, needless to say, I thought this match was excellent. The action was nonstop. It got a lot of time. Excuse me, another drink of water there. Uh, right from the right from the get go, you get some more and more sherry stuff, which you knew you were gonna get. You know, we you gotta tease that a little. You're basically almost selling more tickets and selling more pay per view buys for the pay per view just in this match alone. So I thought that was a really good extra thing that they added on here. Um, really good stuff with Amy Sori and Starlight Kid. Again, you kind of have the height height differential, but Amy Sori works really good with a lot of these smaller wrestlers. We've seen it. We were working with Miyu and Momokogo in the five-star qualifier tournament. And Starlight Kid's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So so I thought that was really good. Um, and then they did a really good job highlighting all three teams with the double teams and triple teams. I thought that was really good. Uh, everyone winds up beating up on poor Saki Kashima. <laughs> it seems like once everybody got their stuff, it's like we need to put some heat on somebody. I think there was like a six-way dropkick to poor Saki. <laughs> Again, Saki's kind of being the spoiler of the party, beating everybody with the Kishikasai. So it's like everyone's like, well, we just kind of just need to take her out. Then you get a little ALK re reunion on Starlight Kid. You know, Starlight Kid maybe the the biggest heel in the match. You know, she runs her mouth quite a bit. She makes all these crazy challenges. Again, we all like Starlight Kid because how great she is in the ring. But she does a really good job playing like a 1970s, 1980s heel. So it was nice seeing Julia and, and Sherry be like, hey, let's just put our differences away for a little bit so we can beat up on Starlight Kid. I thought that was that was really good. Um, and then Starlight Kid, Julia, and Sherry are all out in the apron. They're brawling. Who's going to go where? Who's going to German suplex, you know? who onto the apron who's going to throw who out they did a really good job teasing who was going to go one second you thought it was going to be sherry next you thought it was going to be starlight kid then you thought it was going to be uh julia and they wind up all eliminating each other so uh i thought that was um i thought that was pretty cool so it's just like you have to, you know three big stars gone right out the get-go not at the get-go because everybody got a lot of really quality stuff in they really did a good job telling their stories you know, leading up to that. So it's like they got the stuff, they got what they needed to get in, they told their story, and then they made way for other members of their factions to get their stuff over in the match. Uh, Momo Watanabe wind up eliminating, or got eliminated uh, from Micah and Mirai, and then uh, Amy Sori wind up dumping Momo, Momo Watanabe out. It was very like a very Royal Rumble style thing where you see kind of like the one heel getting rid of two of the baby faces, and they gloat a little bit, and then they wind up getting 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 throw out. So then you basically, you're down to 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You're down to Mei Sakurai, Amy Sori, and Saki Kashima. Saki winds up getting the Kishikasai on Mei Sakurai, and then you see Amy Sori just running rampant on, on Saki. She goes to the Brain Buster to put it away. She gets reversed into the Kishikasai. So Saki Kashima getting all these wins here on these lead-up shows, and then She's basic, basically almost on like a two-on-one disadvantage from the challengers, and she rolls both of them up with the Kishikasai. Again, I wish Rob was doing a book this year because I think one of the stats I'd like to see at the end of the year is what finisher, what wrestler's finisher got the most false. Man, we're six months in the year. I would not be shocked if it's the Kishikasai. She's beating a lot of people with that. She gets two wins here back-to-back, -back, so basically carrying the Oedo type team. So, and again, it's it's a nod how well they're getting her over. Again, we could have built Momo or Starlight Kid up a little bit in this match to give them the rub towards their world and Wonder of Star Championship matches. But really, those two have been building each other, building themselves up for the better part of the last like two years. So yeah, I don't think they need too much building up. I don't think anybody's not going to buy the pay-per-view now because Momo or Starlight Kid didn't get the fall. Moving on to the co-main event. Oh, excuse me. I had that one at four stars. Solid. Co-main event. Tam Nakano versus Natsupoi. First ever cage match. Boy, this was brutal. Boy, the, I, you know, I'm not going to get into everything. If you've seen this match, I actually watched it twice. I watched it, obviously, uh, when it you know first aired live. And I just watched it about an hour before I was taping. Just because I kind of wanted to watch it again. And I was a little confused on the rules. Again, this is... You know, shame on me. I hope hosting, I hosting a stardom podcast and I get confused on the rules. So, but again, I try to be as transparent to uh, all my friends and family out there in the stardom world about what's going on. But 
Natsupoy catches a quick pinfall on Tam. And I thought, wait, that's that's the end? And then you realize that you need like a pinfall before you can escape the cage. Or Again, I'm still a little confused on it, but I thought it made a little more sense to me the second time I watched it. But I thought even, let me back up a second, I'm getting ahead of myself, which I tend to do. I thought well, as they're putting up the cage, they did a really good job basically going into like a video package. You know, you kind of need to do something to distract the fans a little bit as you're putting up the cage. And I've been on tons of shows where there's cage matches. I've been in a handful of myself and it takes time. And you don't want to make sure that thing's secure, not only for the wrestlers, but also for the fans. Because you get a side of that that breaks and it goes into the first or second row. That's not good. Not good at all. You're going to be giving away a lot of free merchandise to make up for that. But I thought the video package they did, I thought was really good. And they showed uh, quite a bit of the Tam Wonder of Stardom uh, title defense from last year against Natsupoy. So I thought that that was a good way to kind of distract the audience as they're built, putting up the cage. Um, nice slow build. They, you know, you can kind of see the intensity right out the get-go from, from these two. And they waylay each other. I mean, there's no punches pulled. There's one point. Where and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you've seen the match. But there's the one point with the two of them pressing each other's faces up against the cage, and you can see like a minute or two later, they're just their faces are just like that's like a hit with a cheese grater. I mean, they're just it's sweltering up. There's bruises. There's red marks. I mean, they really, really, you know, got into it here. They really did a good job amping this up. And I even said on the preview show last week, it's like I don't understand. There's really not too much of a build. Like, why are you putting this in a cage? Like, why wouldn't you do, like, Utami versus Momo or Julia versus somebody from Prominence? There's more heat going into that. And even Mayu versus Starlight Kid. Even though they haven't touched upon that in, in the past year, like, wh- why are we going here? You know, to me, it kind of didn't make sense. And then they did the press conference thing with the pasta, which I was a little confused on. But once this thing got going, which didn't take much time to, you, all that was thrown out the window. You can see this. This has been brewing and boiling between these two ladies for a long time. I mean, they really, really were waylaying into each other with a lot of the kicks, a lot of the bumps. I mean, there's one where Natsupoy eats a German suplex, you know, almost in the middle of the cage. I mean, that was just not only was was like her bump bad, but even like Tam throwing it as well. I mean, they're both kind of landing on the same speed. I mean, even the ring announcers kind of popped up pretty well for that. I mean, there was just lots of big suplexes even in the ring. Um, then there was the the one part where the two of them are in the top rope, like the middle of the rope, and like brawling on each other. And Tam like goes for a back suplex, and she almost like hits the cage, and they go in between the cage and the ropes. And I was like, "There's nowhere to go there. You're literally hitting the ring apron. There's nowhere to go. You're either gonna hit the ropes, or you're gonna hit the cage, or you're gonna hit the ring apron. You have nowhere to go." You know that was a, a scary part as well. A couple of really good near falls uh, with Natsupoy trying to get out of the cage. Eventually, she eats the. Uh, she eats the violent shooting. She eats the Twilight Dream. She eats a ridiculous violent screwdriver. Uh, obviously, the Twilight Dream and the violent screwdriver, they all get pinfalls for Tam. She goes to leave the cage, and then Natsupoy goes to follow her. And when she does, they're on the top of the cage, and Tam chokes Natsupoy out with the Dragon Sleeper and then drops her. Natsupoy hits like the top rope, and then she hits the canvas. And I think when, if you go back and watch it, like I said, I just watched it about an hour ago and I didn't notice it the first time. But when Natsupoy's, excuse me, Tam is climbing out of the cage, she's climbing out where Natsupoy is. I think she thinks something is wrong because as soon as she drops, she yells to think Unagi or Mina was holding the key to give her the key. So she stopped selling. Like this whole brutal match, she kind of, you know, Tam's a fantastic seller, very underrated in her selling. But she stopped selling to get the key to go back in the cage to check on Natsupoy. So I think the way that she landed, it was a little bit scary. I think that, uh, in my opinion, against my opinion, I thought that was unnecessary. I thought you hit the, you hit the violent shooting, you hit the tiger suplex, you hit the twilight dream, and then you hit a ridiculous violent screwdriver. That should have been the end of it. That should have been the end of it. I mean, Tam climbs the cage, and it's like thirty seconds later, like Natsupoy's like right there with her. It's like you just basically ate all these finishers back to back to back. That should have just left Natsupoy laying. It was a cool visual, her getting choked down in the cage and that crazy bump. Obviously, Natsupoy is okay. As of this recording, I'm recording this on the 28th of June. The two of them just had, from what I'm finding out, a 
fantastic singles match at Cork and Hall. I think they just put that match up like ASAP on Stardom World. So when I get done recording, I'm going to watch that as well. So she must have been okay. From what I'm understanding, people that were in Japan are telling me their match, their singles match from the Cork and Hall show was better than this cage match. And I thought this cage match was fantastic. I had it at four and a half stars. Like I said, there's just a lot of crazy stuff in there. I'm not going to go through everything beat by beat. If there's anything that you want to discuss or talk about, you know, by all means, you, you guys and gals know how to get a hold of me. But I thought this was absolutely fantastic. And this is like almost turning into feud of the year. You know, I'm always man enough to admit when I'm wrong. And when I was kind of lukewarm about this being, you know, a cage match, I'm like, well, it'll be good because not Natsupoy and Town are both excellent. But like, where's the heat and where's the feud coming from? It's like, yeah, it was wrong because you can kind of feel everything building up here. I thought this was this was fantastic. This is a good way to build Tam up going towards the five star, and they're teasing a match with her and Sherry somewhere down the line as well. So I thought this was an excellent match, and again, that's point. Even though she came on the losing end of this, now it's something where it's like you can kind of maybe start to slowly build her up for another white belt shot or a nice little run in the five star. I don't think she'll make you know one of the uh, the final brackets at the same time. You know she can rack up six points, seven points, eight points. So you know we'll see from there. But, uh, yeah, just an absolute brutal, brutal match. Match number five saw the staying in the cage, saw the Queen's Quest tandem of Yutami, Sayakamatani, and Izumi versus the Stars team of Koguma, Hazuki, and Mayu Iwatani. This rules match I completely understood. I knew this was escape the cage only. They made this one easy. Two matches before, I was a little confused, even though they were great matches. <laughs> four stars, four and a half stars. So, uh, But this one, I, I fully understood. And you have basically I'm gonna, like a majority of the champions here. You have Mayu, who's the SWA champion, Hazuki and Koguma, who are the uh, the Goss of Stardom champions. Yutami, the only one not with the belt. But at the same time, she's the leader of Queen's Quest. So that's a championship in its own right. Saikamitani, the Wonder Star Champion, and Azumi, the High Speed Champion. And then also, you know, you have Azumi, the High Speed Champion. You have Hazuki and Koguma, two of the better high speed wrestlers. And Mayu, who's had the longest high speed run. So, wow, there's a lot of a lot of high speed in the cage. I, I knew this match was going to be good, but I was a little, still like wondering how they were going to do this. You have six people in one ring, they can't go anywhere. It's a cage. We're going to be able to do all your spots. Um,. So I was kind of like, I knew that they, obviously they had a plan and I knew that they would execute a fantastic and they totally exceeded my expectations. I thought, um, you, you know, even leading up to this match, the interests alone, like Queen's Quest comes out first and they just come out as stars. I mean, Saya, huge stars. Zumi just has so much more swagger. Yutami just has, she's been having that it factor, you know, even months before she beat Yutami for the, excuse me, before she beat Mayu for the championship back uh, in almost two years ago. And I thought it was funny how, like, Yutami looked at the cage and she's kind of pretending that she's scared. And then Stars comes out and Hazuki and Koguma come out and they have to drag Mayu out. And we're all like, what a bunch of BS. We all knew Mayu's the craziest person in this match. Like, she's afraid of heights or something, right? So it was just kind of just another wrinkle. It's like, yeah, it's Mayu. We'll let her get away with it because she's, you know, she's the icon. She's so great. But this thing starts... And they're doing triple teams back and forth. There's no waste of motion. Everybody's doing something. Right from the start, they're all hitting these crazy spots. The timing is really good. Where everybody in the, in the ring is is absolutely perfect, and it has to be. If you're off just a little bit, somebody's bumping into something or somebody's mistiming something, it's basically going to be the domino effect. So they both teams hit some signature double and triple team spots, and then they went into the selling, which was perfect. It was basically you would see like Mayu would – eat a bump and then she would roll out to like the side where the cage was so this way you know you would have other people being able to get some of their stuff in and i thought there was some really really good stuff here i thought yutami doing the double superplex on fwc was really good that opened the door for mayu and yutami to get some really really good stuff in it's a really good exchange there i was a big fan of when they were lining up uh saya for the freedom drop kick and they went to go launch mayu and mid-launch Zumi jumped up and double need uh, Mayu, I think she was trying to go for the double stomp, which I don't think she cleared it all the way. I don't think she was able to jump that high enough, but still was a pretty cool visual. Then eventually they get the up on, they get the up on Azumi, and they do the freedom drop kick with Azumi sitting on the top rope. I thought that was really cool. I mean, they really had to launch Mayu up a little bit higher than normal. Azumi had a great feed, 
where, you know, where she was, she ate it like a champ, and that was able to get Mayu, you know, she was the first first one to escape. I thought the second escape made sense, because, like, in one hand, you have the advantage, because we have the first person out. The second hand, now it's three on two. So, your Queen's Quest team just kind of dominates the tag champs here, beats them up a little, and lets Saya Kamatani eliminate the cage. That was a little hokey that she was, like, two feet off the ground, and she made it like she was afraid to keep the cage. It's like we've seen you do the Phoenix Flash in the 450 before. So, like, why are you scared here? But regardless, I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. Uh, so now we get basically a two-on-two, -two, almost a tag match. Utami and Izumi versus the tag champs FWC, uh, Hazuki and Koguma. I thought there's, this stuff here was really, really good. Uh, Izumi working on an armbar here in the cage match. I thought was, it was a little different, but it was smart. Kind of made sense. And Hazuki, too, with the cross faces. I thought that was uh, that was really good, how they were exchanging submission holds you know between the two of them you know going back and forth there uh and it was basically almost like a mini tag match which again that's another thing i'd like to see somewhere down the line not just utami and saya versus fwc but if saya is busy with the uh wonder of stardom championship you know utami and azumi versus fwc you may put on a cork and hall show and you let it go you know 20 20 uh 20 25 30 minute time limit draw wouldn't be heartbroken seeing uh, those four ladies in a main event cork and hall tag match getting a half an hour not at all there's worse things they could put on the show folks really cool here with azuki with the big cage dive and then it's smart for half azuki to get out you hit the big move there's really not much more she can do have her get out of the cage so now you have an utami and azumi in on koguma koguma just has to escape the cage to win but again, the psychology that was used before, once Mayu left, they get a nice two-on-one advantage onto uh, Koguma. Azumi, again, back to the armbar, puts Koguma down. This lets um, Yutami escape the cage. She gets just about out of the cage, and Koguma is trying to bring her back in. She's trying to hold on to something. And I thought it was really cool how Yutami, a big fan of her lariats, she lariats the cage and it ricochets into Koguma's face. <laughs> that was a really cool visual. <laughs> and then all she had to do was drop down. I'm like, that was pretty nifty. You know, there's no way she's pulling her back up. But I thought that was a really, really cool visual, how she lariated the cage back into Koguma. So not only does it give, it does a tie it up at 1-1, but it gives Izumi a little bit of advantage because Koguma just ate, <laughs> you're basically a forearm full of steel. Uh, Koguma and Izumi, they do a little reset. They do the high speed in the cage. I mean, pretty much that's how this match was was presented. It was going to be high speed. They said, Koguma said, hey, let's do high speed. Let's do it in the cage. You know, we get it here. Zumi gets the advantage on Koguma. She hits the double stomps off the top rope, which looked disgusting because she was kind of balancing herself off the cage. They go back and forth again. And then this time, Zumi does the double stomp off the top of the cage. And I legit leapt out of my seat at like 530 in the morning or whatever time it was when I saw this. I thought that was absolutely crazy. I thought that was the finish of the match. I was like, that's a good finish. That's a good finish. Izumi goes to go outside of the cage, or she goes to climb out, and Koguma catches her, and then Izumi takes a pretty nasty but safe bump uh, from the top of the cage onto the outside. Koguma, like she was going to do the Jimmy Superfly, snuck her dive off the cage onto Izumi, so she realized, all I gotta do is jump off this. And, you know, I always kind of make a joke when... Anybody in Starium does these dives on the outside and they dive onto all the factions. And I was like, how convenient that is. At the same time, this, you know, what happened here was very well warranted. You know, you're jumping off that tall, tall cage. So she jumps onto all the members of Queen's Quest and Stars that were out there. And they catch her. And it was safe. And it was awesome. And this match was great. And all the spots were great. And everything made sense. Nobody got in anybody's way. Everything looked smooth and sharp. I did think it was kind of funny that when Koguma landed on all the members of the two factions, her feet never touched the ground, and they didn't ring the bell. I thought it would have been cool if they would have waited until she rolled off, and, and then uh, her feet touched the ground and rang the bell. But that's just me. So, fantastic cage matches. I put on social media, that's one of the best cage matches I've seen in a long, long time. Like, my bar for like best cage matches... Like, 1A and 1B, it depends on the day where you ask me. Like, Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, uh, the I Quit cage match, that's that's 1A. And then 1B is uh, Benoit Angle from Monday Night Raw. That's uh, that's 1B. So, again, you ask me on different days. Those are, like, the two best. The Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers from one of the AW pay-per-views recently, that's up there as well. But this one ranks right up there. I mean, this one... Hogan and Paul Orndorff is one that I'll never forget just because, I mean, if you're 
or, you know, older like me, you'd understand like the confusing finish. Like you didn't have many controversial finishes where they both left the cage at the same time. They had a, you know, almost do like the photo finish and they had to do like instant replay, which back like 87, I think that match was 86, 87. You didn't see a lot of that then. It was like a real big, you know, went off the air. We didn't know who won. So like that's up there as well. But as far as like best cage matches I've seen in the last 10 years, it's either one or two, you know, with the Lucha Brothers Young Bus match. I just had uh, four and three fourth stars. Again, just adding to the list of match of the year contenders for FWC, for Mayu, for Saya, for Zumi and Utami as well. Just all six really, really badass workers. And I thought that this pay-per-view, again, it was solid and it was capped off with two fantastic cage matches. And even Tam and uh, Matsapoy, Dave Meltzer tweeted out how he woke up the Sunday morning and he, everyone was telling him about how great the Tam Natsapoy match was. So it's nice that you have the pretty much, I mean, you got to give the guy his due. He's the most, I mean, popular, the best, you know, whatever you want to say. He's a pro wrestling writer ever. I mean, the Wrestling Observer is the most downloaded, downloaded and most read wrestling newsletter in the history of wrestling newsletters so when you have dave Meltzer, who's a big deal in the wrestling industry folks you know make whether you like him or not you have to admit it he's a big deal in the wrestling industry when you have dave Meltzer saying hey you know i heard this match is really great you know can't wait to see it and putting everything out on twitter that's nothing but good things for stardom for tam and natsapoy and i can't disagree with them I and mean, that match was fantastic but as good as it was i'd like the stars versus queen's quest match just a little bit more so let me know. I want to know whatever what you think. What match did you like better between the two cage matches? Did you like Tam and Natsapoy better? Or did you like Queen's Quest versus uh, Stars better? You know, just let me know. So, well, guys, that'll just about wrap it up as we're coming on to right around an hour here. So I can talk about wrestling forever. That just goes to show that I don't need anybody to bounce anything off. Really, well, I guess, except uh, so you, the, the fine fans. So, again, I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you, everybody that's downloaded the episode. Thank you to everybody that has reached out to me and given me nothing but positive feedback. It means the world to me. Thank you to all the Patreon members. As you see, there's a lot of stuff in the works. Stardom X Stardom 2019 and the Mayu World of Stardom Championship Reign was just dropped about a week or so ago. Coming up probably in the next few days, or it might even be up by the time you listen to this, for the Red Belt Tier Members Exclusive. My first ever watch along of Shiri versus Utami from the Cinderella Tournament Finals from last year. I also just recorded the B. Pleasley World of Stardom Championship Review and the much heralded and asked for Matt Turner book Stardom. Uh, so I booked two cards from Stardom as was voted on by the listeners of this podcast. And then I was a uh, direct message from a couple of the listeners saying, hey, this one, the poll. I know Rob's not there anymore. Could you do it? So I booked Stardom as if I was booking Stardom three months from now and as if I had a time machine and go back and book anybody from stardom at any point in time. So those all uh, should be up in the Patreon feed. Like I said, the red belt, the watch along should be up hopefully by the end of uh, the week. I think we're trying to get these weekly episodes out by Friday. So hopefully that's up by the time you listen to this. And I think early as of next week, the B Priestley and the uh, Matt book stardom patreon episodes should be up so by all means guys you know i appreciate the support you know support the patreon if you can't just you know hit that retweet button you know uh, go out go give me a five-star review if i deserved it over on the uh, the apple podcast uh subscription but uh, that's about it folks i'm gonna close this one out for episode 69 matt turner here thank you guys so much and again any questions comments please reach out to me on twitter and or the instagram Matt Turner OF and uh, also if you want to try to reach out to me Stardom Cast on Twitter as well I don't check that as much but the Matt Turner OF on Twitter and Instagram is something that I frequent quite a bit so I try to get back to everybody as soon as possible thank you guys so much I greatly appreciate it remember we're all in this together and everybody's different everybody's special love you all have yourself a great day Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.